Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 10th installment of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Well, we did it. We made it to 10 episodes. It's been absolutely amazing being able to talk about baseball every week so far, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Anyway, in last week's episode, we talked about the Hall of Fame ballot and some of the new names that showed up on the ballot, as well as analyzed some players that have been on the ballot before and received enough of the vote consistently to keep their names on the list in hopes to see their name in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I also talked about how I felt when it comes to getting steroids and other performance-enhancing drug users into the Hall of Fame as well. Some big names that showed up in that section included Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and Gary Sheffield, three guys who were known for their incredible bat above all else. And these three got me thinking. Now, all three of these guys all either set a Major League Baseball hitting record, or were at least close to one. So today, I want to break down some of the craziest hitting stats and records that I can find that have happened since the start of the MLB all those years ago. Once again, I want to start this off by bringing up Pete Rose. Now, I mentioned how he was a key part of Cincinnati's famous Big Red Machine because he could literally swing the twig better than anyone else. Pete Rose holds the record for hits with 4,256 hits. Now, although it's only 67 hits above the second place slugger Ty Cobb, Pete Rose had a full 485 hits more than Hank Aaron, who was in third place on that all-time list. Now, it definitely helps that Pete Rose played 24 seasons of baseball, getting about 15,890 plate appearances over 14,053 at-bats, so that kind of takes away any possibility of walks and catcher interference and that kind of thing. That means that the Cincinnati, Ohio native finished his career with a .303 batting average. Now, really anyone that can play almost two and a half decades <laughs> at the competitive level and still have an above 300 batting average by the end, I mean, is definitely a special player indeed. But as I mentioned in the last episode, as soon as he stops gambling over baseball, maybe he'll have a chance to make the Hall of Fame. But speaking of batting average, who is the all-time batting average leader? For that, we have to go back to a name that I already mentioned in Ty Cobb. Now Ty Cobb, who was known as the Georgia Peach because he was simply the best around like Georgia Peaches usually are, he was one of the best hitters to ever play the game. I mean, Cobb was a 12-time batting title winner and ended his career with a .3662 batting average, or a .366 officially. But the crazy thing is, is that that was still only .0077 points above the second place on the all-time list, Roger Hornsby. And even more crazy than that, like Rose, Cobb also played for 24 seasons and had three seasons hitting above 400. Ty Cobb only had one season where he hit below 300, and believe it or not, it was his rookie season. <laughs> Even crazier than that, Cobb only had 11,400 career bats, 2,613 less than Pete Rose had, but still had 4,189 hits. I mean, with only 67 hits in between them, it's crazy to think what kind of numbers Cobb would have had 
if he had played as many games as Pete Rose did. I mean, the guy was getting over 100 hits per season. <laughs> That's crazy. And not only that, but Cobb had 295 career triples, which, by the way, is said to be the hardest hit to get in the game of baseball. There's only one player to get more triples than Cobb, and it's actually by another Hall of Famer, Sam Crawford, with 309 triples. So not only was Cobb able to find a gap almost every time that he was up at bat, but he could run hard, and <laughs> boy did he. Another player that well, really seemed to find a gap at least once every game was Joe DiMaggio. Now, Joe did something that no one else has even come close to in the many years of the MLB. Joe DiMaggio has the all-time hitting streak record at 56 games in a row. That means that DiMaggio literally got a hit in every game consecutively for 34% of the 1941 season. <laughs> I mean, Joe DiMaggio literally didn't have time to go on a slump. <laughs> now, yes, numbers of hits and high batting averages are fun, but why do people go to baseball games? I mean, would they rather see a ground ball single that slowly rolls by the shortstop, or do they go to see the long ball? Now, I remember watching ESPN's most recent 30 for 30 about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they were racing for first place on the single season home run record in the long gone summer of 1998. And the entire time I was just thinking about the screw that these guys must have had loose to be able to attempt anything that crazy. You see, before 1998's unbelievable home run race, the single-season home run record was set by Roger Maris at 61 home runs in 1961. Now, Maris claimed the title after he beat out Babe Ruth, who held the record at 60 home runs for about 34 years before he broke it. Now, although both Sosa and McGuire were accused of PED usage, they still hit 66 and 70 home runs respectively, before Barry Bonds let's be honest, obliterated the record with a 73 home run season in 2001. Now Barry too was most likely using PEDs when he did it, but as I briefly touched on in the last episode, that's still a really tricky thing to do. <laughs> I mean, hitting anything with that good of contact, that consistently, is extremely difficult. It's hard hitting that many home runs in a year too, because, I mean, after a while, pitchers will stop pitching competitive pitches to you because they're scared that they're just going to give up a home run to you. And not only that, but even if you do get a good pitch, getting the right launch angle without being early or late on the pitch is difficult by itself, as well as being able to read any of the pitches that come your way, whether it be a fastball or a breaking ball or something like that. I mean, it's seriously a really difficult thing to do, and the fact that anyone has 60 home runs without PEDs just in the first place is absolutely incredible, especially with how kind of short the MLB season is. But what about the all-time home run leader list? Well, once again, that record goes to Barry Bonds. He had 762 home runs in his 9,847 at-bats. Now, in other words, about 8% of all of his at-bats ended in a home run. 
And to put that even more into perspective, 26% of all of his hits were home runs. Now, again, it's hard to say how many of those balls might have just ended up being fly balls without his steroid use, but it's unbelievable the kind of numbers that Bonds was able to accumulate over his 22 years in the league. I mean, there are just so many variables in a baseball player's life that could have affected any of these stats, whether it be injury or a hitting slump or so on. But all of these incredible players that I just listed fought right through it. But what about some of the, well, less than impressive hitting records? I mean, after all, we've touched on some of the most impressive hitting displays in the MLB. But as Newton's third law tells us, for every action, there's an equal or opposite reaction. Now for this, I want to talk about the Mendoza line. Now, the Mendoza line is an idiom coined by Bruce Bochy for a player who is hitting below about a 200 average. Now, most of the time the term is given to position players as pitchers usually don't have enough plate appearances to be considered for a batting average record. Now, the story behind the naming of the Mendoza line is kind of funny, but also a pretty sad one too. In 1979, the Seattle Mariners had a fairly young shortstop who went by the name of Mario Mendoza. Now, Mendoza only played for about nine seasons in the big leagues, but only had four seasons where he hit above the 200 mark. Now, his teammates, including Bruce Bochy, would call this betting phenomenon, or I guess lack thereof, the Mendoza line, and as time went on, it stuck. Now, as kind of strange and weirdly funny as that is, it has to be a bit awkward to have your name represent one of the, well, less than impressive stats on an MLB record list. Now, if you can recall all the way back to episode one, we talked about Chris Davis and his rather unfortunate hitting record. But if you don't remember, he broke the all-time hitless at-bats record after going 0 for 54, which was a total accumulated over the end of one season and went into the beginning of the next season. But at least for this one, Chris's teammates didn't name the record after him. (laughs) Now, as I mentioned this, I ended up looking up Chris Davis's hitting stats for 2020, hoping that there might be a bit of improvement but it seems that Chris Davis's days of hitting everything as a home run are pretty much behind him. In the 52 at-bats that Davis had in 2020, he only had six hits and was well below that Mendoza line with a 115. So we talked about the all-time hits leader, but we didn't touch on the all-time strikeout leader. Now, this one was pretty surprising, at least to me, because frankly, it wasn't who I was expecting at all. Now, when I thought of a strikeout leader, I was thinking of some, you know, little known hitter that just couldn't pick up a major league pitch for a while. But no, it was none other than the Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson. Now, we're talking about the same Reggie Jackson that had 563 home runs in his career, over 2,584 hits and also stole 228 bases. And to put into perspective his strikeout record, 
Reggie Jackson actually had more strikeouts in his career than he did hits <laughs> at 2,597 strikeouts compared to his 2,584 hits. That's absolutely crazy to me. I mean, out of his 9,864 at-bats, 26% of the time he struck out. I mean, literally over a quarter of all of Reggie's at-bats were strikeouts. Now, this seriously bewildered me when I found this out, but as I went down the list, I saw more and more big-name power hitters who struck out way more than I ever could have imagined. I mean, remember Sammy Sosa, who hit 609 home runs in his career, and was pretty consistently in the running to be the league's home run leader? He had 2,306 strikeouts. Or what about Jim Tomey, the Cleveland Indians great, who had 612 home runs in his illustrious 22-year career? Well, he had 2,548 strikeouts in his career too. I started to notice a bit of a pattern. Many of the players on this all-time strikeout list were also some of the best hitters in the history of the game. Almost all of them were guys that were primarily power hitters that racked up hundreds of home runs and even made the Hall of Fame in most instances. I mean, seriously, as I read through the list, there weren't too many names that I didn't know and weren't household names. And yes, believe it or not, Chris Davis is also on that list. But I think these hitters are really good examples and honestly really good role models to younger hitters. I mean, even the best hitter strike out. And you can't let a strikeout discourage you. Every single one of these hitters would strike out and then come back to the plate the next at bat with a fresh count, a fresh mind, and probably hit one out. I mean, these players are literally the figurehead of never giving up and just keep trying because you will eventually get a pitch that you can write your name in history with. So, we've spent a lot of time in the past few episodes talking about hitting and hitters and, and crazy hitting statistics that the league has seen throughout its history, both good and bad. But we've been ignoring the other side of the ball and the amazing things that pitchers have done as well. So next week's episode, we're going to take a look at two of the most dominant pitching performances the game has ever seen by both Kerry Wood and Randy Johnson, and also break down some of the hardest things to do as a pitcher in throwing a complete game, throwing a no-hitter, and throwing the famed perfect game. Thank you for listening. <laughs>